Welcome back to Finest Hours, the show where we share amazing true stories of human achievement and influence. I'm Braden Cromar. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hayden Hansen, and our executive producer, Skylar Williams. What's up? Hello, hello. Happy to be back. Have the murder hornets left America yet? (laughs) Yeah, did everybody forget about the murder hornets? Don't forget about the murder hornets. That was the worst part. (laughs) <laughs> almost died I had to murder tons of hornets this summer <laughs> uh, going to war against hornets sounds like a better alternative timeline of 2020 I think I'd much rather <laughs> do that than everything else that happened in 2020 that's true but here we are back again Hayden why don't you who are, we, who are we doing our episode on this week, Hayden? This week, we're doing our episode on a man named James Oliver Rigney Jr. He is also known by his pen name, Robert Jordan. And many others, right? And several others. But he's famous as Robert Jordan. And believe it or not, this guy comes from South Carolina. Again. Probably the most popular state in the U.S. among the people that we choose to do <laughs> topics on. As if you remember, have we done from South Carolina? We did Robert Smalls. And what did he do? Episode number three, the former slave who stole a Confederate ship and sailed to freedom with 17 other African-Americans. Don't forget to rewind, not rewind, but don't forget to go check that episode out if you haven't. Throwback. And some other folks we've done that we don't even remember who we've done, who did something in Charleston, South Carolina. It's come up in a different episode, we swear. Charleston has has been mentioned several times in this. And our fantastic state. And our excuse me, city. (laughs) I've never been, but I'm sure it's great. Our subject today. James Oliver Rigby Jr. was born in Charleston, South Carolina in October of 1948. Born to a blue-collar Baptist family, his father was a World War II veteran who worked as a policeman and then at the Charleston Naval Shipyard. James was the second of three boys in the family. His older brother was reading a book to him when James was about four years old. His brother didn't finish the story, so James learned to read on his own. I was about to say, I was like, he only read to him when he was four years old. (laughs) And that might be true because he didn't finish it. (laughs) (laughs) And so by age five, he started reading books that were by Mark Twain and Jules Verne. So that's a French author. He wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth, Around the World in 80 Days, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So he was reading pretty famous stuff at five big time classic novels dude was going big time i wonder if he thought they were like interesting stories or if he was just reading to be reading reading whatever he found he was just like oh perfect like i'll just read this 
These were the four books on the shelf. (laughs) No picture books here. No good night moon here. (laughs) (laughs) No magic treehouse books. No magic treehouse books. Oh, those were good books. I just can't believe that the dude never read Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, 1948. Our (laughs) listeners didn't catch that. Did you guys read any of those? No. I've seen movies, but I've not read these. Have you seen the one with The Rock? Maybe. Or Jackie Chan? I think Jackie Chan was in Around the World. I think I saw the one with The Rock. I think The Rock was in the The, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah, Rock was in the Center to the Earth, and then Jackie Chan was in Around the World in 80 Days. But I think they've done like three or four different movies about Around the World in 80 Days. Both of those. Oh, I'm sure they have. And then isn't there a a Disney movie from like the 50s or the 60s about the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Uh, I thought that was called The Little Mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think The Little Mermaid was made in the 90s. But nonetheless, I think they all have been made into movies. And so he was reading classic books that everybody loves and everybody enjoys. But he was five when he was reading them. So I was going to say by five, he'd read more far, than I had. So Yeah, far superior. <laughs> uh, so following his high school years, he was recruited to play football at Clemson. Um, Which I've never heard of that college, so probably wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Yes, you have. Small school, have- right? <laughs> <laughs> National champions, dude. Of course, still Alabama, but but uh, it was close. Well, who knows? Are they I don't playing know. this year? Wait, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Clemson uh, and Alabama are still in, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. I was just gonna well, say that's all that matters. Wait, <laughs> didn't the ACC cancel their season or postpone no, their season? I don't remember. No, I think the the latest news was that the was it the Big Ten. Uh, voted to possibly restart in like October or November. That's good. Because I was actually reading articles today saying that basically the Pac-12 isn't going to start up again unless the Big Ten also starts up again. Because the Pac-12 can't yeah. make its own decisions. The big, well, they play in the Rose Bowl together after their seasons. That's true. So that's why. But anyway, I don't know how good you're. Just Clemson's jealous, Mr. Team. Independent. <laughs> Mr. No one wants us. <laughs> okay, hey, we didn't okay. want to be with you anyway. Yeah. No, we do. <laughs> they do. I'm. Uh, I won't say we, but they do. That one's funny. So goes to Clemson to play football. Um, he attended the university for one year before he volunteered for enlistment in the army. So he ended up serving two tours in Vietnam, and he was originally assigned to a clerical role because of his intellect, but he ended up using that position to become a helicopter door gunner. That's sweet. Because say know. like that's the best spot. Well, I don't know. War kind of just sucks overall, but yeah, but you don't want to be, be the, there. You don't want to be in the jungle of Vietnam if you're going to have to be in Vietnam. Rather be, be in, in a helicopter. Air. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what he's won. So he was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross, a Bronze Star, and two Vietnamese crosses of gallantry. And Skylar, would you care to elaborate on your findings of those awards? You receive it by heroism of extraordinary achievement while participating in an aerial fight. I believe he shot down 
an enemy individual and later found out that it was a woman and had major guilt over that. And so that's one of the kind of recurring themes in a lot of what he writes is a lot of his main characters, when they're faced with a decision that leads to the death of a woman, it really eats at them. And so that's where that comes from and definitely impacted him personally and how he would write later on. Following the war, he returned to the U.S. and began studying at the Citadel under a veterans program. Uh, The Citadel is a military college in, you guessed it, Charleston, South Carolina. So out of everything that he's done, basically stays in South Carolina except for a short stint in Vietnam. And he received his bachelor's degree in physics, and then we went to work for the Navy as a civilian nuclear engineer. He then fell from a submarine in the Charleston Naval Yard and broke what, do we know what bone he broke, Hayden? He shattered his leg and his knee. So one of those bones, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully hopefully not his femur because that's, would be awful because that's a giant bone and would hurt, but I hear that that's had, a big bone. Had a really rough recovery and would need to use a cane for the majority of his life following the accident. Can you just imagine falling from a submarine? Because when I imagine it, it's more <laughs> like a slow sink. That. Right. That does sound that does sound more weird of a sinking. Say, I don't right? think you break anything, you just uh drown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what was he doing on top of that thing? <laughs> Where should I put my nuclear reactor in this thing? How about up here? (laughs) I don't know. I wish I knew more about nuclear engineering. Not really. Uh, That would be so hard. I I know. I know. That would be crazy hard. Science. So this guy was obviously very intelligent. Reading at five. Recruited by Clemson for football, but still very smart guy. And then... His time in the military sent to do clerical work because they needed somebody smart doing all that. And so while he was busy with recovery, he began writing. And so he let a bookstore owner know that he had decided to start writing. The bookstore owner ended up connecting him with an editor, and the editor was named Harriet McDougall, and they would later marry. Uh, The first fictional work that Robert Jordan, or he wasn't Robert Jordan at this time, The first fictional work that he wrote, he finished in 13 days, and it was over 300 pages long, and it took him 13 days to write that. And he never published it, but somebody else did. (sighs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) I can't wait. Thank you. That was perfect. So after he married his wife, of course, they moved to a home. And can you guess where it is? <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> this home was built in 1797. He just loved history so much, and that's kind of why he chose that home. He started to write historical no- novels under the pseudonym Reagan O'Neill. So James got another pseudonym for his fictional works, and he started going by Robert Jordan. And that is what he's most famously known as. So Robert Jordan 
went on to write several, I believe, five different books of Conan the Barbarian. He also went on to write his most famous series, The Wheel of Time, from the period of 1990 to 2006. In 1999, he was awarded an honorary doctorate degree of literature from the Citadel. An honorary doctorate degree. How can I get one of those? Because I'm definitely putting that on my resume. I have a doctorate degree. It's just honorary, honorary. but I do have a doctorate degree (laughs) from the Citadel. I don't even have to study for it. I just had to be better than everybody else. Write a thesis or anything like that. You just get a doctorate and. I just had to write 30,000 pages and publish it. No big deal. Let's go back to this. Let's go back to this. I mean, we skipped over his most important work, though, which is The Wheel of Time. Hayden, tell us a little bit about this series, because this is actually a very influential fantasy series. So The Wheel of Time series, he started writing in 1990, and his original thought was that he would write six books in this series. That that quickly changed as the scope of the work began to grow. And so he wrote the first one in 1990 and then just kept cranking them out. And so at the time of his death in 2006 or 2007, he had written 11 books. Each of these books is about a thousand pages. He had also written a prequel to that series as well. And it's been compared to uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, The Lord of the Rings series in its scope of world building. And so it has been a very influential series because it's kind of set the bar at this point for current fantasy writers that want to write epics of just extremely long stories. George R.R. Martin, author of Game of Thrones, was also took a lot of inspiration from the Wheel of Time novels. And at this point, that's kind of the new baseline that everybody kind of works from if they want to tell what we would consider an epic. So 10 books in that range, creating worlds, languages, that kind of stuff. It's pulling from this at this, at this point. Building entirely new worlds with a pen. With, with a pen, yes. And I think a lot of people will listen to that and be like, oh, that's pretty easy. That's pretty difficult stuff to like keep consistent throughout 10 books 11 books i guess is by the before he died but to keep a world consistent with a language with everything around it for 11 books every book over a thousand pages is is pretty brilliant not many people can do that the last 10 book series i wrote was not very competitive and also <laughs> nearly as many books <laughs> Um, he was diagnosed with uh, amyloidosis. Definitely <laughs> skewered that name. Uh, a rare blood Are you disorder. even going to retry that? Absolutely <laughs> not. Are you going to try to make All up right, for that? Skylar, give us our word of the day. Amyloidosis. Amyloidosis. Yeah, that's the one. Amyloidosis? Amyloidosis. It could be amyloid. It's amyloidosis. Like <laughs> you know, I think I think Hayden's on the right point, on the right track. Amyloid, amyloidosis, amyloidosis. something like that. Hold on, Regardless, to... it is a blood disease. No matter how you pronounce it or how you cut it down, 
All right. Anyway, so, blood disease. So blood disease, you want to know what it affects, what organs it affects? Yes. It's just all bad stuff. It affects the uh, heart, protein in the urine. Oh, no. You get dizzy. You get UTIs. Um, your nerves start to die Gross. in the feet, and then it moves up the body. Um, glaucoma, abnormal blood vessels in the eye, eye swelling, nausea, loss of appetite, diarrhea, wasting of muscles and tissues. The doctors give him a median life expectancy following diagnosis of about four years. He ends up passing away within the year of him announcing it at least. At this point, he's got 11 books under his belt in the Wheel of Time series, but there was no conclusion at that point. With, again, how complicated the world building is, his notes were extremely extensive and he had written so much and had already written what the conclusion was supposed to be, uh, that there was enough material that they were able to select somebody else to finish the work. And so his wife and lifetime editor selected a man named Brandon Sanderson to finish the last novel. Turns out, though, that there was so much material that the last novel was split into three additional novels. And so there's an extra 3,000 of pages out there that's co-authored by Brandon Sanderson and Robert Jordan to finish it out. So he gave him co-author credit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's sweet, huh? He didn't just jack his work <laughs> and call it his own. <laughs> yeah. and so right, it might, be, it might be a little mysterious. What is it with well, authors and terrible names? You mean book people? Well, Yeah, book people. <laughs> Brandon well, so Sanderson. That's, that's his actual name. It's a stupid, that that's a, a bad name. He's from Utah. Brandon Branderson. Brandon Branderson. <laughs> Sandon Sanderson. Sandon. Srandon. I don't know if it's two or three greats, but I've got a grandfather in my line named Thomas Thomas. <laughs> yes. While we're on this. Nice. <laughs> While we're on this. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> nice. Of, hmm, not sure about that first name, first name thing. <laughs> Maybe it's just last name, last name. Yeah, Lama, last name, last name. Bobby. <laughs> I mean, let's. What what was it with Robertson? Like, well, there's a son of Robert. Let's name him Robertson. Like, come or on, Johnson. Come up, with, come up with a good name, yeah, Johnson. Like, Williamson. Ugh. Williamson. Ugh. Must be rough being a Williams. Hansen, son of Hans. Hans. <laughs> like, where does Cromar even come from? Cromar. Scotland. And where did it come from? Scotland. Why did they pick that name? What does it mean? I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. So your name doesn't have any meaning. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's an area in northeast Scotland. It oh, is. You're named yeah. after a place. Cromar, Cro- Scotland. Yeah, Cromar. I must attend. Yes. Visit. It's even spelled properly. That's yeah. the that's my home. <laughs> that's my home. <laughs> Cromar's getting teary eyed over here. <laughs> Surrounded by a sweep of hills. Dominated by Morvan. I'm guessing What a man. <laughs> what is Morvan? Morvan Your worst Cromar nightmare was the first man. <laughs> <laughs> Morvin's coming to take you away. Oh, Morvin is a Corbett. <laughs> okay, what's a Corbett? A Corbett? <laughs> ah, Wait. it's a mountain. Oh, okay, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're learning stuff today, folks. <laughs> this is amazing. 
Amazing. The area has evidence Stop. of human habitation going back to 4000 BC. Huh, not bad. <laughs> not bad, kid. <laughs> I must learn more. I must visit the land of my people. <laughs> yes, I love it. Hop on a plane and fly over there, and when they try to turn you away, be like, no, I've come uh, home. <laughs> I must meet those people that live there. Maybe nobody lives there anymore. Names have meanings, and so why would, you, why would you just randomly select two first names for your... For, for your name? Yeah, for your name. I just... It's a tough world out there, man. <laughs> Blows my mind. Now, Robert Jordan went on to sell, I think, 30 million copies of The Wheel of Time in his lifetime. So that was prior to the three books to finish it out. He was posthumously admitted into the South Carolina Academy of Authors, which has been said to be his greatest honor. Because he lived in Charleston his whole life. Boom. Born, raised, left for a minute, didn't like it. So he went to war, came home, loved it, stayed wrote passed away there's your summary folks we must visit charleston south carolina on the way to cromar scotland (laughs) (laughs) so many interesting people coming from charleston i think i have been to charleston are we driving no let's drive (laughs) no it's kind of scary (laughs) is it (laughs) it's like it's still run down and everything so east of here maybe maybe that's that's just my well 11 12 year old mind was like uh and maybe uh, it's maybe it's actually pretty dude it looks so nice though honestly charleston looks like a good time let the good times roll let the good times roll in south carolina dude i want to go to charleston south carolina it looks nice i don't know what you're talking about so we go to charleston we steal a boat and then we go take over Cromar. Yes, we sail to Cromar, <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> I think they could get mad. We took our inspiration from a historical figure. It's Come my on. land. This is his <laughs> land. This is my land. He is, this he land is. is my land. This land's not your land. So get off my freaking land. <laughs> you ever watch, what is it, Brave? That's the Disney movie of Scotland. Or is that yeah. Ireland? Oh, not Braveheart. Not Disney movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. You said you said Brave. Not oh, Braveheart. I see. <laughs> the animated one. One where they so go around good. shooting arrows. Not Mel. That's definitely not Braveheart, man. <laughs> Braveheart's so good. We hope that you guys have enjoyed this silly episode. Thank you for putting up with our silliness, and we'll be back in a few weeks, two or three weeks with another story who will it be tune in in two weeks and you'll have find to find out you'll have to find out yeah that means we don't know yet before we come back if you guys want to keep in touch or stay up to date we don't really up to date but anyway follow us at finest hours podcast on instagram and if you want to share a story of someone that's cool or inspiring that you would like us to talk about, you can always email us at finesthourspod at gmail.com. And of course, if you're new, subscribe, review, rate, give us those five stars um, and, and tell us, you know, if we're doing a good job <laughs> or not. We don't even care if we're doing a good job. We just want to tell stories of amazing people. 
So follow us. Hopefully we can get back more into a routine of two weeks. It all depends on Hayden. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully Hayden doesn't stay busy as he's checked out of this outro. But nonetheless, we love all you people. We appreciate your support. The end. Godspeed. That's exactly what I was going to say. No, it's not. Shut (laughs) up. No one says Godspeed anymore. I was going to say God bless, and then I was like, no, I'm going to say Godspeed, and then you said it. Dude, that's cool. (laughs) 